Hi everyone, welcome to the latest edition of CSM SuccessCast. Uh, once again, I am joined by uh, Steve Wynn and a uh, slightly lower fidelity uh, Drew Gilbert, uh, but that doesn't affect the quality of his uh, contribution to the, to the show. So thank you both for joining. Today's topic will be about demonstrating impact. So uh, the, the idea of being able to help your customers understand where they're actually getting value from the service or uh, service that they've purchased from you and uh, how you take your customers through that journey and also in doing so help prove the value that you yourself as a customer success person and organization are doing. So uh, quite a broad topic deliberately. Uh, we don't uh, pretend to have all the answers around this so this will be more of a conversation than a than I have the answer, Mike. You've got you've got the answers. Awesome. Charge for it. Charge no. <laughs> that, yes good okay so that's a great that's a great starting point um could you do people perceive any value from something that is included as part of the service that should be a topic that we cover as we go through here um steve as you um uh, as you were you were kind of thinking about that have you got anything to kind of frame some of this in terms of showing particularly on the point of showing value directly to customers because i always always was very impressed at how you would work with customers to do that in when, when we work together well, I, I do say that kind of half half serious half joking um <clears throat> I, I think it's uh, it's sometimes hard sets for, for people to really grasp the value of customer success and what customer success managers actually do and in some cases i think there's a sense that if you charge for it then it, there becomes this perceived value uh, more tangible value uh, for what you provide but i think that when done properly i think uh, i think there can be some really clear uh, value gain from from customer success i think it it all comes down to just being really clear up front as to uh, what outcomes you're you're driving towards. Um, and then incrementally, as you're going through the process um, of delivering upon those things, uh, you know, pointing to those milestones and pointing to pointing to places where you are seeing success and where you aren't seeing. I think also there's the you know, being honest with yourself and being honest with your customer on where you aren't being successful as well. I think uh, customers will appreciate uh, having that that clarity and openness and in in the relationship uh, when they know that they can see both sides. Um, when you're you're pointing to places where you've identified the business value, or you've identified the goals of of what you're trying to achieve, you've identified where those air, where you're actually accomplishing those goals. Um, they love seeing that, but of course. Um, where you're not seeing that, I think it's important to call that out and also uh, calling out, well, how are you going to adjust, how are you going to iterate in order to to, to try to uh, hit those milestones. Have you seen any um, good examples of, like, in, from your experience of where you where you think you've done that well at a customer? Like what sort of techniques have worked to help the customer understand the the value that they might, they might want to get, i.e. setting their, almost setting their conditions for success, as it were? Yeah, I think it's not just. I think yes, it's all. It's setting the conditions for success, but also setting their expectations for success, so that you're not um, that they're not expecting 
some some huge wins right out of the gate when they're not even in the stage to be to be ready for that. So um, it's it's setting the expectations and setting kind of small wins and small goals so that you start to see progress. And I, for those that know me, you know that I've uh, really prescribed to BJ Fogg's kind of tiny habits approach. Um, <clears throat> so I think it's uh, you know I'm trying to think of a specific example. Um, that we have, or that I have, I guess, a somewhat recent example of, of working with a company on um, helping them adopt Yammer better uh, was, you know, we, we, we really just started with a small team, a small group of people, and just trying to improve uh, their ability to share more often. Um, and we weren't trying to change the world. We weren't trying to say, hey, everybody in the company needs to use this just yet, but really taking some uh, incremental steps to ha uh, to identifying three groups within this company to say, how can we improve the way these three groups work better? And we've started to see that. We've started to see um, you know, this group, uh, these groups use Yammer better uh, as those groups were using Yammer better. Uh, we said, all right, well, let's start to expand it. Let's, let's talk to other 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 groups, uh, other leadership of those groups, and then uh, kind of lift and take the successes that we had from the initial uh, the initial rollout, and then start to replicate it in other areas. And in some cases, we've like I said, we've discovered that it didn't it didn't take the way we thought it would. Um, so we've gone back and tried to figure out and understand what isn't what isn't uh, working with those people. Is it you know not part of their workflow? Or are they not uh, engaged for uh, some content reason, whatever it might be? Thanks. That's really, that, that's really helpful. I like the, um, I like the mantra of just finding, you know, finding those very small things to begin with. And also the idea of setting the expectation of the customer up front about you're not going to, on day one, your business isn't going to suddenly become this amazing magical thing that our marketing told you it would. That's a journey and helping people understand that it is a, is a journey. Like one of the, one of the, a couple of, a couple of useful mantras I've heard to describe that in the past is <clears throat> one that, um, one that Adam Pisoni used to use, which is start small with like-minded people on something that matters, um, which I've, I've always really liked because it kind of helps people understand that you should be, you know, go, go to somewhere that has a real problem. Uh, that's easy to that's easy to actually do something about and go and solve that because it gives you currency to go and have a bigger conversation. Um, uh, and then the other one uh, that I've been hearing more hearing recently is like the 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 idea of just diagnose and prescribe. So mm -hmm. spend some time understanding <clears throat> where the customer is at in relation to this journey you want to take them on. Like what's their level of maturity around the way they do certain things. You know, if you're trying to if you're trying to get them to do something particularly revolutionary about their sales process and they have no maturity in terms of even capturing what opportunity they've got when they're due, you're probably not going to be particularly successful at revolutionizing a process that is fundamentally broken. You would need to fix the fundamentally broken process first. So there's uh, you know, the idea of diagnosing first before understanding then what the initial places where you're going to go and get value are, I think is, uh, is I think is a great uh, a great idea as well. Um, Drew, have you got any kind of perspectives on places where you've seen the uh, you, you had where they where you know they've been really good conversations with customers about what sort of value they're they're trying to get? Yeah, you know, maybe I'll come at it from a little bit of a different angle. As over the years, I've been a lot more on the other side of the conversation 
where I've been the customer and working with teams that uh, I'm going through to purchase and dealing with their customer success team. And I think there's a trend that, that I've seen arise it's kind of around this and what you're talking about, which is the majority of people I've ever talked with, they all have the, the similar pitch about wanting to be a partner, right? And everything that we've talked about in the past is that the idea of being a partner and really being a one-to-one -one relationship almost doesn't exist unless you're a, a big enough organization and you have to do things that are uh, repeatable and scalable. And, and it's that gap that I think a lot of CSMs fall into when the reality is there's, there's basically many other layers of what CSMs do in organizations that actually happen, which is um, sometimes they say that, hey, we're looking to be your partner, but really they're just going to be your first line of support when you have a bug or an issue um, and go to them. Or they say we're going to be a partner, but their way of, uh, of handling things is trying to say that we're going to do everything for you, uh, but that doesn't work as well. Right. The, the next one that I've seen is that they do a much better job and, and say we want to be a partner, but really they act like a coach in that they've seen the scenario that we're going through, you know, hundreds or thousands of times, and we're going to give you best practices. There are, I think, very few organizations that actually have the ability to be a partner, and I think there are even fewer um, buyers or, or companies or customers that have the ability to be a partner with the vendor because they don't they have to spend enough money to be able to get that type of dedicated resource and so i think this goes back to one of the things that we've always said which is setting expectations in that if you are a, a vendor you're having conversations with customers do you set the expectations of what type of relationship are you going to have and make sure that you don't over promise and under deliver um, and that you, you set that value, as both of you had said, um, in, in what you're going to be able to do together. And I think it's, it's closing that gap that has the biggest opportunity to then make your customer successful and, and maybe digging a little bit deeper into that, making the person you're working with successful. Because in, at the end of the day, a company is just a collection of people, and you're trying to make people successful at their job. And, and that's something that I think is is really interesting. I think that's such a there's, there's such a good point about starting basically starting with the person you're talking to and working out what's going to make them successful. Because if you do if you can do that and show it in their terms that they're going to be successful with the thing that they are, have got top of their mind, they're in turn going to open doors for you to help get to the maybe the relationship that you want rather than the relationship that you have turning up in front of somebody and saying you're not the guy I'd like to talk to somebody else is not a brilliant way of building a relationship I talk to your manager yeah um yeah. I don't know Steve like you you I know you've had a few examples of, of that that I, I I'd certainly remember of people where you 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 pick you you kind of your customer contact that you've got is absolutely not the person that you would ideally want to talk to um but I think you've done a very good job of then building relationships from that person by making that person successful have you got you got any kind of thoughts of how how you typically go about doing that um i'd say yeah i think you have to use the uh, use is maybe the wrong word but um 
you have to work with the people that you have access to. Um, and other in, in ways that I've tried to build bridges to other parts of the organization have been saying things like, um, you know, what are what are some other initiatives that are happening across the company that <clears throat> that you're involved with? Um, you know, what are uh, what are some other groups that you're working with that are uh, that have the same challenges uh, as you do, or what are some groups that you're working with that have challenges that we can perhaps partner together to help help them with? And you know, I I think we've we've had these um, exercises where we walk people through kind of a a business analysis, uh, you know, trying to understand what their uh, business objectives, business challenges are, and in working through that with whatever point of, whoever point of contact you might have um you they start to get some understanding of the types of conversations they can be having with their uh internal customers or their internal uh internal contacts and then sometimes i'll use that as a way to say hey i'm happy to have this type of conversation with you with um with others you know inside of your organization to help facilitate this kind of discussion i'm happy to coach you on having this discussion yourself but also you know very willing to just be somebody to you know for you to uh, lead the conversation and i'll take notes uh so that could be a, a, that those are just tactics that i've i've used to try to um get access to other people what are some of the typical uh, what are some of the typical challenges when you're having those those types of conversations with people? Where do you where do you tend to run into roadblocks? Um, I th well, I think one of the natural things is just you know, do I tr the person looking at me saying, do I trust this person to have a conversation with other people in my organization just yet? I, if, if I Maybe I just met this person. Um, so I think it's a matter of trying to build that trust and, and helping them understand that, look, I'm not in sales. I'm not trying to sell anybody on anything. Uh, and largely, our, our role as customer success is not necessarily sales. I think some people have renewals. But uh, in general, we're there to we're there to help where you've already purchased something. Um, you know, I, I always try to disarm people and say, just very clearly coming out and saying, hey, look, I'm not selling you anything here. This is something that you've already purchased. Uh, I'm just trying to help you use it better, get the most out of your investment. So um, I think just I think there's a uh, sometimes a, a hurdle that uh, we have to overcome because people don't necessarily understand what customer success is. And they just see us as an outsider trying to sell them. I'm using air quotes, sell them something, which, you know, perhaps we are always selling. Uh, but it's really just trying to reassure them that it's not about uh, anything sales, but really we're just trying to help them be more productive in how they use our our uh, our products. What about I have a question? What about when the the main contact is somebody who's been assigned a project and isn't part of the strategy of deciding? On the initiative to begin with, how do you how do you look at that scenario? Is, is it even different? Do you mean, uh, Drew? Do you mean when? So, for example, you've got like a the person that signed the contract, which isn't even necessarily somebody that wanted the project to happen. They might just be the person in procurement, or is is that the sort of scenario you're thinking about? I'm more thinking the opposite in that, let's say there's a, a group of, of people who are deciding on an initiative and they select, they select 
the vendor. The vendor, they go through the process and, and they communicate with them and they say, okay, this is what we want to do. They buy the software and then they find somebody in the organization and say, hey, you're now in charge of this thing that we've decided on. Um, you're the main point of contact for the customer success team. Uh, go make it successful. And then from the customer success side, you're now in touch with somebody who is never part of the initiative. It's not their core focus. They were just handed a project. Hmm. <laughs> Does that? Yeah, that certainly happened. I was about uh, to say that uh, never happened, Steve, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have any. Uh, I'm trying to think how we've or how I've uh, addressed that in the past. I think, I think we. I think there has to be some sort of bridge uh, to to get that person up to speed with why this is important. So it's, I think there has to be, I've said this in a number of other of our success casts before, but uh, I, I think customer success doesn't happen unless the customer is involved. And I think that this is a case in point where you can't just expect, <clears throat> you can't expect success uh, because you've thrown a body at it. Uh, but you have to have the that person or those people involved that have a have a really well built in understanding of why this why this should be successful for the organization. So if you're just going to throw a body at it, then that's probably the result that you're going to get from it. So I would impress upon the people that were initially involved in making the decision to make sure that whoever is involved has a clear understanding on why they're involved and why this is going to be important for their organization. So. I, I wouldn't expect, uh, so I guess I would expect that the person that is put into the situation has some understanding. If there's not, then I would go back to the people that uh, were originally involved to help smooth smooth things over in that transition. Yeah, I would I'd second that. It's all about it's all about being able to build that bridge back to why the purchase was made in the first place. Um, it's almost like a, and in in some cases, if you can't do that, you're what you're essentially doing is having to requalify the opportunity. Even though the customers, just because the customers given you money, doesn't mean that they are in have an, any intention of pursuing your service. Um, and so, you know that. While, while there is some form of it's a lot easier than if they haven't bought your service but you still have to do quite in some cases do quite a bit of work to make sure somebody is actually intent on going and making use of what they own um and and i think that's a challenge that uh that's definitely a challenge that gets more significant as you start getting into a situation where you're selling customers bundles of products they may have bought it for one of the products they may not have bought it for any of the products. They may have bought it because it's a, also a cheaper way of buying something else that they buy. Um, so you, once you get into that kind of situation, then you're you are then looking for people that actually want to uh, you know, want to make use of and get value from something they just happen to own. And then the motion that you're using to do that becomes increasingly more sales like. Uh, although you don't have any of the blockers of contractual negotiation or trying to agree a price on something because the customer already owns it, but the rest of the motion is pretty, um, you know, pretty pretty salesy. And I think we've seen every, I know across our experience collectively, I would imagine we've seen every every 
level of severity of that situation from somebody who is so keen to get in touch with us and be successful and they're absolutely the right person and they're ready to drive it over the line and you know you can tell which customers those are because they're typically the ones that end up as the case studies for most of the uh, organizations that have them um, and then right at the other end of the spectrum you have ones where you've got a record in your system that the customer has purchased the service but you haven't got a clue who the person you need to talk to at that customer is because the that contact has either left or they're a, an automated procurement system or you know or, or so i think there's a whole there's a whole full there's a full spectrum there of different situations that you might find yourself in as a csm because the one thing you can guarantee about every single one of those situations is sales isn't interested in helping you thanks a lot uh, a lot of sense it's it's so interesting again just the theme of setting expectations getting everybody facing in the, the same direction and and executing together just seems to be a, a, a common theme that comes up in uh, every topic that we discuss, regardless of whether it's uh, detailed or even when we were talking about the uh, the episode about mistakes and, and, and issues that we've all had, it all kind of stemmed back to this. And as we're talking about new initiatives and, and different scenarios, it comes down to setting expectations and getting everybody on the same page. And it, it just seems like the first expect the first action of any new initiative or anything that needs to be done should always come back to how how are we at setting expectations with the thing that we're trying to do, and that almost seems like a great initial indicator to determine the success of whatever it is that we're going to do, so that you can actually measure is the thing we're doing successful or are we just failing because we didn't set expectations correctly yeah i think that's and and i think you're doing you, you're actually doing a great job of setting us up to to kind of summarize some of the main points from this this discussion drew i think you've you've hit a lot of them you've hit a lot of them there um which is expectation settings key because otherwise you don't otherwise customers are going to have unrealistic expectations of the success they're going to have um, so help them understand where they are on their on this journey to being the organization that our marketing tells them they should be um, and under help them understand how quickly it is realistic to get there using examples of other customers that are like them is always a good way of being able to do that think about diagnosing and prescribing um, and then the the other point that we were spending a lot of time talking about was the idea of how do you build bridges from the people that you're currently talking to or not, given that you might start in a situation where uh, you're not talking to anybody at all, to somebody where you are actually able to uh, deliver the success that you want to deliver for the customer? And that's a that's a cycle of getting to getting to somebody that will talk to you, making them successful in their own terms, and then using that to continue to build relationships within the organization. And again, to the point of expectation setting, that's a thing that takes time. Uh, and it's because it's about investment in trust in a relationship, and that will get you many places. Uh, and it's very easy to, it's a lot easier to burn trust than it is to build it. Um, so always, you know, be careful about how hard you're pushing. Um, and the third point I want to make, which is, a, a high horse that I regularly get on that we were just starting to touch on is <clears throat> um, I see a lot of customer success organizations and customer success managers push very strongly against the idea that they're not sales. 
you don't necessarily unless you've unless you've landed in a customer success organization where you have total control about the quality of customers that you receive and you only ever receive perfectly qualified customers um you are going to have to sell in some form and that's not a bad thing because in the majority of the situations you're going to be selling into into two customers that already own your service but you know you should think about the types of tactics that you need in order to build the relationships that you want to customers and get the contacts that you want and create the opportunities that you want those tactics are really similar to how great salespeople sell and so there's a lot to learn from a sales organization on how to how to operate in that way there's great tactics and tools you know things like you know, being able to use things like linkedin sales navigator and other tools to be able to find the right sort of contacts understanding how to write compelling notes that get people to notice you and take action um being just the right amount of pushy so that people actually are interested in what you've got to say but the but you're not being an irritant to them but you're able to actually push the relationship forwards yeah you know, those are those are pretty important skills if you're in a situation where your customer is not well qualified because as i said earlier on you can't guarantee that your sales organization is going to go and resell it because they already have the commission they are not compelled to help you in that situation um and your business will not thank you for sitting on your hands and saying well i can't do anything about this because it wasn't sold properly because uh, at the end of the day you're probably accountable for making that customer successful regardless of whether you want to be or not. And so on that positive note, um I I think we'll we'll kind of close that one out there. I think this is a very good uh, very good discussion indeed. Thank you uh to uh to Steve and to Drew for sharing your experiences here and I think it's a this is a great one to that we'd love to hear from the from the audience on as well because we have you know we don't have all the answers here sure there are lots of great tactics that other people have seen out there that I'd we'd love to hear about um and if you have any uh, other topics that you would like to us to cover or any contributions to this topic you can always get us on twitter at csm successcast once again thank you very much steve thank you drew Uh, and thank you to all of those that are listening for doing so and we will catch up with you on the next episode